Welcome back to Careers Explained. Today, we're talking to Charlotte McLaren about her career path and current role. She received her bachelor's degree from Davidson College in biology and economics and her master's in business administration from UNC. Her previous work experience includes working as a sales analyst for Sun Life Financial, as a manager of corporate development at Premier Incorporated, and as a client executive for IBM. She's currently a strategic account director at Salesforce. Welcome, Charlotte, and thanks for coming on today. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you start by telling us what you do in your current role as a strategic account director? Yes. So as a strategic account director, I work for Salesforce, which is a large technology company. And I work in the enterprise division of the company, which means there are clients that buy and spend a ton of money on technology with Salesforce. So as a strategic account director, I represent the relationship between Salesforce and that company, right? So I have one client, although some of us have two, and I manage the overall way we go to market together across product, services, and then all the features of of Salesforce that I would bring forward to make sure that the company is successful on our technology. All that being said, it is a sales job. So at the end of the day, I have a quota, the numbers I have to meet, um, to be successful in my role. And so can you break down that overall arching goal? What does that look like on more of a day-to-day basis in terms of the typical roles and responsibilities? So we have an annual quota. And so I'll be given like mine is 2.4 million and I'll be given that number at the beginning of the year. And so I have to work to achieve it, um, through selling technology throughout the year. It's not really that simple in that so much of my job and why I like my job is it's not just like I very much in a sales career would not have taken a role that just felt like I was trying to sell a car, right? Like that I just come in and, you know, sweep you off your feet with my sales pitch, never see you again. It's very transactional. It's all about the long-term relationship me really understanding their business, how it works and what they need, and then the technology that we sell and sort of consulting them on how to best implement our technology. And when you say you have one client and you have this sales quota, you're selling so that whatever million dollar mark per year, are you selling that to that client depending on their needs? Ideally, if I make my quota, yeah. So my client, and this is where you have like these really large relationships, right? So my client currently spends about 12 million annually with Salesforce. And each year we're trying to grow that footprint. And so my quota is dedicated to growing that footprint. So add an additional 2 million to the 12 million they're already spending. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And what does that look like in terms of how you go about that task? They say, okay, go sell to your client. Where do you go from there? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's right. Like, how do you do it? That's a big question. So, you know, I'm three years into working with this account. So um, I have a lot of the established relationships, but it really is a lot of my time and energy are spent working with my clients, right? I have like weekly, my meetings on my calendar are nine, 80% with my clients and then 20% internal. And all those meetings are about kind of what their business needs are, what they're trying to accomplish, what their goals are. Do they have a strategic initiative to, you know, increase profitability in their appliances business? Whatever it is, we learn about their goals and then we try to pair them with our technology that helps them meet that goals. More tactically, that's um, 
preparing for demos and then giving demonstrations of our technology. I have a counterpart, it's called a solutions engineer. And their whole job is to come into client meetings and give demos of our technology so clients can understand how it works with their business, for example. So there's a lot of demos, there's a lot of um, meetings to sort of refine that process. And then when it gets to the later stages, it's, you know, this, the presentation with the dollars and cents that it's going to cost them and how they're going to pay for it and like signing the contracts and, and sort of what we call closing the deal. And for each deal, what's the typical timeline from when you start with those initial conversations of what their needs are or problems to closing? That's, that can very much vary. And that is, as you get into a sales career like mine, like a technology sales career, that's kind of a decision you make. Like, do I want to be in a company with long, long sales cycles where deals, like many companies, deals can take two years, you know, or do we want to be in a company with short sales cycles where it's more immediate? I'd say mine are, are at least six months. Um, these are like really large technology investments that they're making. They don't do it lightly. Now, there'll be things they buy for me like here or there that are smaller. But um, for the large, more like the ones that I get excited about, the more like strategic initiatives that we think are going to transform their business, they take probably six months at least. And what are the types of conversations you're having in those 80% meetings with the client? Of First, you say, okay, what are your current goals right now? Any problems? When they initially say that kind of what's going on in those six months after those yeah. conversations to make it happen? Yeah, I mean, it's that it's not a hard and fast rule, right? But, you know, we start from that initial meeting where we call it a discovery, right? And we gather up all their requirements and needs and really more focus on their challenges, like what they cannot accomplish today because they don't have the right technology. Then we come back internally and we work with our, we've got architects, we've got this whole team of folks that support this effort, right? And we work to um, generate a solution that we think is going to work for them, right? And so that could take a couple of weeks from there, ideally quicker, but always these things take time. And then we'll come back and, you know, maybe a month later, hopefully sooner, do a, a demo. And our, at Salesforce and, you know, many technology companies, the demos really, we try to have them understand what it would be like. So that we walk them through like, okay, here's your customer picking up the phone. They're calling customer service. Well, now your customer service agent has this service console where they see all this information about what they ordered and that can help them track the order. And, you know, so we walk them through like a real life experience. And so um, they can understand how it would impact their business. From there, there's like, just things take time, right? Like I wish we got off those calls and they're like, I want to buy it. But oftentimes they have to go to get their CIO's approval, CEO's approval, all sorts of um, stakeholders involved in approving projects like this. And then you're working through like, oftentimes the meetings at the end of the cycle are with procurement that are just back and forth, you know, how we're getting this deal. Are we agreeing on the contract stipulations? how we're getting, you know, agreeing on the price and, and actually doing the paperwork. That was a very helpful overview to understand the steps and what's actually going on. Can you give an example of a type of technology or product that you have sold or would be offering? Yeah. So like um, websites, we, uh, Salesforce sells commerce sites to Adidas. I mean, so many major names, I can't even um, list them, but many of the large companies out there's websites are run on Salesforce commerce technology. We also sell marketing technology. So 
the technology behind, you know, those emails you get in your inbox when you click on something on a website and then the store follows up with you about it. Or when, you know, you sign up for the newsletter, obviously those emails, but also um, very advanced technology to sort of help companies target customers most effectively. And then at the core of what Salesforce does um, is called CRM. And it's basically, think of it as a, a way of knowing your customer. So it's a, it's, a, it's a place to include all of your customer information. And the whole idea of that is it allows, once you know your customer, you're better able to serve them. Mm -hmm. First seek to understand, and then you can provide the services that they need. And how long do people, you said you've been in this role for three years, how long do people typically stay in this role? So sales is an interesting career in that way, in that you can be a strategic account director, which is like an individual contributor role, like a sales role for your entire career. And I might very well do that, right? I might very well say like this, you know, I make a good living, I manage my account, like you're basically running your own little business as you're managing this one client account. Um, and I could go do that, like I have colleagues many members on my team who are, you know, late 50s and 60s still being an account director. So that's one option. And I could just stay in this role for all the pros and cons of it. Or I can decide, okay, I actually want to go into sales management. And then I would become like a, an RVP at Salesforce. It's different at um, IBM. I forget what it's called, but basically the person who manages the team that, that, that then goes out and directly interfaces with the client. And then there's a whole structure above that um, of sales leadership that you sort of climb up if you if that's the path that's interesting to you. And for that path of climbing up, are you have clear quotas? Is that is success measured in terms of moving up of how who's selling the most? Yes, it's not only measured in that, right? But it is much easier to get promoted after a good sales year. So they always say to like seek promotion when you've when you have results behind you. Uh, I, it's not that simple though. Like they, like any other managerial position, they want somebody who has great leadership skills, you know, who knows how to run a territory because when you, when you're the level above me, you have a whole set of accounts and you need to be able to very accurately say like what deals you think are going to come in, what are not going to come in and what are, you know, what your anticipated spend for the year will be. Right. So it's a skill set beyond that, but performance in sales is always king right? Like how you're doing, how you're hitting your quota um, is a real dynamic in a sales career. Results-based prerequisite. And then on top of that, maybe some of the soft skills needed to succeed. Yeah. And I will say like the other side of that is, is because I've been in sales for so long, there is no one micromanaging me in the slightest, right? Because I am so motivated to hit my quota. No one cares about what if I take a lunch break, if I take two days off, we have unlimited PTO. It is, um, a, there is no micromanaging of my schedule and what I do with my time because at the end of the day, my performance is what speaks, right? So um, it doesn't, I never have a manager sort of checking in. I, it's been so long since I've had a manager kind of um, checking in on me. And I think that's what attracts a lot of people to a sales career is you have that autonomy to, um, run your own business essentially and, and make your own results. I think that's a great point of how unique that is. Like, I don't know other roles where it's really that hands-off because your results were, will speak for themselves. Like you have right. the right payment yeah. plan essentially to work as hard as you need to. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sounds like 
maybe a draw of the job for you, why other people got into it. What other things do you like about the job and what are some things that are challenging? Well, I will just say um, when I was in college, if you had told me I was going to be in sales, I would not have believed it. No part of me thought of myself as a salesperson or anticipated myself in a sales career. Um, so what drew me to it is like, it's a people-based experience, right? Like it's all about forming relationships and interacting with your clients. And, um, you know, there's a lot of interface I spent, if I'm not on in person with my clients or my colleagues, I'm entirely all day, every day on a zoom video camera, just like this. So it's a very like interpersonal job. And I liked that. I actually had much more analytical jobs right out of school. I was an analyst. And I worked in spreadsheets when I worked for the corporate development team of Premier. And I think I was very good at that. I think that that was a skill set I certainly honed at Davidson. But I, at the end of the day, I realized I like, like talking and interacting with people. And um, so that's one of the major things that drew me to this career. And you mentioned it's very social days, whether it's in person and remotely. Can you walk us through what a typical day looks like for you? Yeah. So I, let's see, I, now that I have a daughter, I have my calendar blocked 830 to nine. So I can't work any, any earlier than nine, but at nine, I just, I work from home when I'm not traveling with my client. So I will literally walk from my bedroom to my guest bedroom where you'll see me here and I'll open up my laptop. And, um, most often I like, do not have time to check my email and it's just like going to the zoom call. Right. But ideally would be checking my email and sort of sifting through my email, but it's a lot of back-to-back -back calls during my day. Um, again, just talking about either presenting to the client or talking about our presentations to the client on their various technology needs. Um, and then I will say like, I want to leave space for, there's a whole in-person component to it all too, right? So when I go to my client, I'll, you know, meet them at their office, come into a conference room. And oftentimes we're just sort of discussing their technology initiatives and presenting. Um, so that's a more uh, in-person experience. And then we do hosting. So, you know, just last week I hosted 15 clients and about 10 Salesforce people at the Atlanta United game. And we got a box and that was really cool because it was a fun experience for them. And it's just a great way to establish a relationship outside of these Zoom meetings. And um, so the, the it's that's the fun part, right? Like when I get to buy my clients gifts all the time and if they accept them, right? I want to do them because it's on my corporate card and I love buying gifts, right? So the hospitality and entertaining is a, is a fun part of it as well. You have to make sure that, you know, like for me, now that I have a baby, I got to make sure that that's uh, works with my schedule, but, um, but it's really fun to be able to take people out to dinner and, and host them. And it sounds hyper-social. Can you quantify on average, what percent of your days are working with other people, whether in person or on a call versus working maybe alone on a presentation? I would say 80 to 90% are working with other people. I need, you know, we, I try to leave myself time to just sit down and work, get through my email and, um, but it is a lot of time and sales for, I actually think that that might be in some ways there. So I want to just say that there are so many different technology companies out there that you could have a sales career in. And so right now I work for Salesforce and it is a very collaborative culture. So it sometimes you have companies and it's totally fine where you're an individual worker and you're making that presentation alone and you're presenting that presentation alone and that's your whole life. 
But Salesforce, it is much more collaborative. So there is much more of an atmosphere of like bringing all the stakeholders in, agreeing on things, working on your slide decks together, et cetera. That is a bit different. So I think that can vary company to company, but in mine, 80 to 90% is on phone calls or collaborating with other people. And then what is the breakdown of how often you're traveling percentage of the year versus home base? And that again, like, so this is my singular experience with the account that I have at the company I have. That can be when I was younger and I worked for IBM in a very similar role at that time, I was a client executive. I traveled all the time. I traveled to LA and Dallas and, um, and Boston. And I probably did it, if not probably every other week, but it was always on my terms, right? So I could make the schedule, right? So I could decide when I want to go to the client's office. Obviously the client has to be agreed to the time and but but it was always on times where I knew I didn't have social plans. And so I'd say, okay, next Thursday, let me come into your office. And that meant flying to Boston, right? Um, so at that point in my career, it was every other week. Now I have um, a client that's an hour away. And um, and they also just, we have a very good dynamic of just getting on remote calls. I think that changed a lot over the pandemic. Whereas I used to always go in person. Now everybody's just like, let's just jump on a call. So I don't think I have to travel, but once, once every two months in this role. And that is, again, something I can determine because at some, to some level, it's my job to be like, hey, I'm going to show up in your office and we're going to meet in person versus over Zoom. Um, and that's kind of on me to take the initiative on. Right. Again, that entrepreneurial, you get to decide what you need to do and what works with that client. Exactly. Yes. And what is a challenge of the role? Um, well, it, you know, it was an adjustment, although I will say much smoother than I anticipated prior to being in a sales career to being on a quota, right? Like there are pros and cons to that. Um, constantly measured against a, a number, you know, is something that can add stress to your life because you know you have to achieve. Now, it's not like that kind of dry, like if I don't meet my number, they're not going to fire me or I hope they won't. Right. So it's not like a, um, it's not like that pressure filled, but there is an innate sense of pressure to succeed when you have a quota. So I would say that that's a challenge of a sales career. And then can you now walk us through the highlights of your career path in terms of the biggest points that led you into sales? You mentioned in college, yeah. never would have thought. What are the highlights of how you got here? Yes, yeah, certainly. Okay. So thinking back to when I was in college, right? Like I had no idea what I wanted to do and I had no idea what type of career I wanted to be in. I think, you know, and most of the things that drove my career decisions at that point were I wanted to be in Charlotte because I had just graduated from Davidson and wanted to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I was looking for jobs in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'd, you know, a skill set from being a biology major of working in Excel. And so that was just where I, you know, I fit. I think as I, I will say, um, when I went to business school at UNC Chapel Hill, it exposed me to so many careers and so many viable career paths that I had not been exposed to. So that's why I love what you're doing, Heidi, because I think it's so amazing that you're exposing people to these careers. But I think that that kind of became a pivotal point in my life where I really got to look into very seriously because you have the access there all sorts of different careers, right? I looked into being a management consultant. I looked into being an investment banker. I looked into, you know, working in like marketing for large brands. 
And I looked into basically everything but sales initially because it just wasn't on my mind. And then we did do, and I would recommend this to everybody, a personality test exercise that sort of said, hey, these are the careers that you should think about. And mine were all, and I didn't perceive myself this way. I perceived myself very analytical, very, in, you know, book driven and, and studious, but my results came back and said, like, you really should look at careers that are, you know, interpersonal people facing. Right. And so sales was one of them. And there was a few others and all in the same vein, right. Very um, person to person careers. So I kind of took that seriously and I started looking into what I thought were like well-paying sales jobs. So the type of career I'm in, technology sales, is kind of um, known for, you know, you can make an investment banking salary salary working in technology sales, right? And so I was trying to find the, you know, this the career in sales that would set me up for the best success, right? And so um, I think that personality test look, le like led me to start looking and then finding technology sales. It was just about like finding the right company that was a fit. And when you were looking for the company, what about Salesforce felt like the right fit for you? So at first I went to IBM and what was great about IBM and, you know, they still have these programs today is they had a campus recruiting program, a very specific program called Summit, which basically prepares you for a career exactly like I have, which is a, for a large client being a account director or client executive, it's the same thing. And a lot of what, you know, this training program did is, it, very truly, I can say like at daily, not daily, weekly, we interface with the C-suite of our clients, right? So I interact with the CIO, the top executives at all times. And I think it really taught you how to have those conversations and feel comfortable having those conversations. If you told me before I had my job, like, oh, you'd be talking to the CIO regularly, or, oh, you'll be talking to like, you know, um, the CMO. I think I'd be like, I don't like me, you know? And so <laughs> I think it very much prepared, like gave you comfort in the conversational topics and how to approach a conversation to feel that you can have the, you know, you can be confident going into those conversations. So IBM had that structured program. I went into that. I worked at IBM for five years and then I um, came over to Salesforce from IBM. Yeah, the training there to make you confident. It's like a second grad yeah. school for, tailored to your career track. Sounds like that, a great Yeah, and I'll just say, sorry to interrupt you. One thing I should say for people considering sales though, like I'm unique in that I came via this path of business school. Like they do not care at Salesforce, which is one of the top, I think, technology companies and one of the hardest um, technology sales jobs to get. They could care less where I went to school. They don't care I went to Davidson. They don't, you know, they could care less if I have an MBA. It's really like, how are you interfacing with your client? How can you pitch a presentation? How can you hold yourself in these meetings? Um, the academic rigor that I had gone through um, does not mean much to them. What means much to them is how I show up. Mm -hmm. What can you do with whatever background you have? Exactly. Yeah. So I, and the good side of that is you don't have to wait, right? Like you could go get into a sales career right out of college, right? It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessitate business school. Exactly. Very few limits. Okay. And so you just mentioned that you don't necessarily, you definitely don't need grad school, but it, the training can be helpful for that. Would you recommend starting with advice on someone who's interested in a sales career what can they do starting in college to prepare themselves? So what I recommend, I guess if the question is back to, if I'd recommend a training program like that, sure. Yes. Like a lot of the big top technology companies have them, IBM for sure, Oracle. Um, there's a lot of like sort of 
seller training programs that you can apply to and you have to get into. And then they, as part of their investment in you, spend weeks training you to do the job. So um, I would look for those if you really are interested in a career like this, but you don't need it. You know, like you really don't need um, it's not like going to med school where you need this certain GPA and you need to have shown your, um, you don't, you know, you need to sh have shown you took certain biology classes. Um, what I would say is take public speaking classes, take cl classes on presenting, delivering messages, um, all of those. There, I, I had a curriculum when I went to business school that was a sales curriculum. I'm not sure if that is available at like a liberal arts school, but um, many colleges do have classes that prepare you for sales careers or career tracks that would prepare you for that. But really my, my, my things are, you know, like practice chatting up your father and mother's friend at a dinner party and just see how you can hold the conversation and ask questions and be interested. Like that's the skill set you need. Now I'm saying that knowing that the students who are going to listen to this um, video are, you know, obviously very, um, very accomplished in their academic career. So I'm saying that knowing that the audience is going to be a, a, set, a certain set of folks that I'm not worried on if they have the intellect to complete a sales career, right? And so I would focus more on like getting experiences on your resume or in your college career that speak to those like, I can hold myself in a room of very accomplished and smart adults, give them a presentation, hold those conversations, and um, basically the, the softer side of, of, of something rather than like a, a technical class. Very good. The soft skills are really those people connections. As you said, long-term relationships are what are going to drive the sales as opposed to maybe the harder technical analytic classes of your Excel. Yeah, no. I don't think it hurts for them to know that you're smart and you have that background, but I don't think anybody I work with cares, right? That I was a biology major or, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that I was also did ec economics that, you know, they don't, they don't seem to care. And then any advice for someone entering the role? So they say they've got this role, they're new on how they could be successful, things you've learned that have helped you be successful in your role. I think it's the same advice that the, people getting to this podcast probably get a lot of, but it's, it's real. Like I was very shy to um, network when I left Davidson. I thought it would be, I guess I felt like I was rubbing people the wrong way or, or, and, but people are so genuinely happy to talk to other college students, Davidson grads. Um, and I think that they, not only Davidson grads, though, people who are searching for careers, they're ha very happy to give back. And they're often impressed by the initiative it took for you to reach out. So I would say, you know, work on that network. Don't be shy to ask people about their careers. Don't be shy to show interest in somebody. Don't be shy to reach out. And you don't reach out and say, hey, can I have a job? You reach out and say, hey, tell me about what you do and how'd you get into that? And, you know, learning more. Uh, would be my advice. And then the other thing is just, um, you know, I had no idea I would be here. Just be open to the opportunities that come along the way. I had no idea I would be a strategic account director, right? There are going to be different opportunities that are presented to you as you start to, to navigate these conversations and talk to people about their various career paths. That's great advice. And it was 
you've helped the first step now of explaining your career. So now people have this on the map. So thank you for coming on and talking a little bit about what you do and how you got here. Yeah, thank you. I'm so impressed by you doing this. I think it's amazing what you're doing. So thank you for setting this up.